Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 163. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Therapy Chat. This is your end of year episode. It's December 19th, and I just today had an interview with Sharon Martin, LCSW, who you've heard on previous episodes of Therapy Chat. Sharon was on episode 28 talking about perfectionism, and she came back for episode 140 to talk about the dynamics of dysfunctional, abusive, and alcoholic families. Today, Sharon and I are going to be talking about surviving the holidays when your childhood experience was not so great, or as I was plugging it in the last episode, surviving the holidays when you have a dysfunctional or abusive family. The strategies that we're going to talk about today in helping to manage difficult feelings during the holidays really apply whether you are dealing with trauma, grief, loss, or if it's something else that's causing you to have a tough time this year. But in particular, if you have had a traumatic childhood or a childhood in which one of your parents was an alcoholic or there was some other kind of family dysfunction that affected you, um, you may find this conversation helpful. And I hope you will. This is not about bad mouthing our families. This is about feeling less alone at a very tough time of year for many people. So I hope that you will find this information useful and to inspire some hope and that you have a peaceful and beautiful holiday season, whatever that means to you. I will be back to talk with you all again on January 4th with a new episode. That will be our beginning of 2019 episode. And after that, I've got some great content coming up for you in January. We've also got a new sponsor on board 
who will be with us beginning in January. So I'm looking forward to bringing you more good stuff. I've got a lot of great things lined up. So until next time, take care. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, as promised, I'm bringing you an interview with Sharon Martin, LCSW, one of a few interviews we've done. And this time we are going to be talking about surviving the holidays when you had maybe not so great of a childhood. So Sharon, thank you so much for coming back to Therapy Chat today. Oh, I love being on Therapy Chat. So it's my pleasure. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. So let's just dive right in because we're a few days away from Christmas, which is a pretty big holiday that affects many people. But I think everything we're going to be talking about is relevant, whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, another winter holiday, Festivus, or throughout the year, you know, all of the holidays that come up entail family gatherings and memories of family gatherings. And I think that, you know, the issues that we're talking about are relevant, whether it's winter or summer or anywhere in between. Yeah, I agree. I think the holidays, they're just, they end up feeling so loaded, I think, emotionally with so many expectations. And like you had said, the memories also of the past holidays that sometimes we're aware that we're thinking about them or that there's just sort of some emotional energy that we're carrying with us in terms of our feelings or even just how our body's feeling that we, we just sort of carry that with us, I think, year after year. And it's just sort of like it, it just sort of clicks in. I think once, you know, you hit Thanksgiving time and you know the holidays are coming, you start anticipating And I think sometimes there's sort of some anticipatory stress or grief or depression, maybe that that we experience just knowing that this event or events and gatherings are coming and, you know, kind of wondering how we're going to cope with it. Very much. And I think that, like you said, um, sometimes it's really not in our conscious awareness because, you know, people will start saying around November, I don't know. Like right at the beginning of November, oh, it's just this time of year. I always feel like kind of down. I don't really know what it is, you know, and it's like it's hard to put your finger on it. But if you really think about it and you realize that every year around this time you feel tense or you feel sad or unsettled. It's like there's like something going on in the back of your mind that you're not really in touch with. And it's keeping you a little preoccupied or distracted from, you know, what you're doing day to day. I think that can be really impactful. Yeah. And I I think the other thing that sometimes for those of us in North America is that we've also got the winter season that hits right around the holidays, which means, you know, some of us are really pretty strongly affected by the, you know, lack of sunlight and you know, the bad weather, snow or storms or things that keep us cooped up inside. And sometimes that really has an impact on our mood, too. And I think also, you know, you just sometimes kind of feel stuck. I think when you feel like you can't get out and enjoy the sunlight and maybe exercising and being in in nature as much as you would like to. Yeah, that's a good point. I know the dark 
uh, around North America after um, October is definitely something that people talk about. Because I know for me, if I might be leaving work at 530 and I'm like, it feels like it's 9 p.m. It's just pitch black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Very true. And and uh, yes, and many people say they go to work when it's dark and they leave work and it's dark. And so they really haven't had a chance to get outside, you know, and have, have some of that natural, you know, um, energy boost and mood boost that sometimes we get from from sun and um, nature, like I had said. So so we've kind of got that layered on there, too. And um, again, I think it's just helpful to be aware of how much that might be impacting you as well. Because I, I think sometimes, you know, for me, I'm just kind of going about life, being busy, and then I will, you know, sort of notice that I'm getting snappy with people. I'm getting short-tempered. I'm just kind of crankier than than usual. Things are bothering more me more than they they might at other times. And that's sort of that accumulation of stressors and difficulties that are just sort of piling up. And they don't necessarily have to be huge things because we tend to notice the huge, you know, disappointments and upsets and things that are going on. But often these small little stressors are just kind of piling up. And then we're sort of caught off guard going, okay, well, why did I have such a big reaction to something? And it's often that both that that there's things going on in our current life that we haven't been aware of that that were bothering us. And then there's also, you know, often it's kind of pulling us back to something that happened in the past, Um, you know, sort of that triggering effect where, you know, it's pulling back a memory or, or something, you know, challenging that happened in the past that, you know, maybe is sort of unresolved or it was just, you know, a difficult time. And it's sort of brought back into the present without us fully being aware that we're thinking about that or that that's, you know, sort of playing into the reaction that we have today. And I think, you know, that's often, you know, what I experience myself. And I know that many of my clients will say that is they're like, well, you know, I, you know, I'm having such a big reaction to things. And it doesn't feel good to me. And it also doesn't feel good to the people that you're around because they're they're often confused. Like, why are you so upset about this? Or why are you so irritable? There doesn't seem to be, you know, something going on right in this moment that would warrant that kind of reaction. Yeah, yeah. And I know that's definitely true when our trauma gets triggered. And a lot of times, you know, the disappointments of how things weren't for you when you were growing up, the the expectations of the family closeness and festive feeling that you may have wished for around the holidays, but always felt disappointed because it never seemed to measure up or somebody would always get drunk or get loud at the family dinner and it would seem like everything was ruined and every everyone would be upset. You know, those kinds of memories linger with us, even if we don't have, again, conscious awareness that that's there. Yeah, there could be a real deep pain. And I think also a real deep shame that we experience. Because as you were, as you were saying, I think there's a lot of expectations. And, and along with those expectations, there's also a lot of comparison that we, that we experience, right? I mean, you really, you cannot get away from the images of what 
Christmas is supposed to look like, right? It's everywhere on TV, on magazines, in the movies. It is giving us a very clear picture of this happy family all together, getting along, you know, an abundance of presents. And it it just looks, you know, that picturesque, Mm -hmm. you know, experience. And then that's not what most people experience, right? There can be so many variations of this. Um, in so many ways that it doesn't live up to that expectation, that we end up feeling like, well, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with my family that my Christmas experience isn't, you know, what I'm seeing on TV? So that's that part that feels shameful. That's the what's wrong with me. There must be a problem with me that's sort of this unworthiness or this I'm unlovable. Those kind of really negative messages and beliefs that we have about ourselves that, again, here as adults, you know, can sort of be unconsciously triggered for us just by looking through a magazine or something like that. That, again, you may just sort of notice that there's sort of these feelings bubbling up that might be sadness, they might be anger, they might be shame, that, that are all sort of that accumulation of feeling like there's something wrong and that you've missed out on something. And I think there's also, you know, often an element of hopelessness that comes into it too, a sense that I'm never going to have that, that can never be my reality. And again, with the expectation that that should be your reality because Mm -hmm. everybody else has it, right? And that's part of, you know, where our thinking gets off track is because we're going through life assuming that, you know, I'm the only one who has a really crappy holiday, whose family is really dysfunctional. Everybody gets into arguments. We never have enough money. Uncle Joe gets drunk every year. Whatever, you know, the scenario is. You're just assuming that everybody else is having the picture perfect Christmas or Thanksgiving. And, and, you know, what about, what about me? You know, there has to be something wrong here. And there's sort of nothing that I can do about, I think ends up being part of that hopeless feeling, you know, which maybe we can get into, you know, talking a little bit more about that so that people can kind of get away from that. Because I think there, there are things that people can do but not not with the mindset of my goal is to create that picture perfect holiday because it's not possible it really isn't a reality that's why it's on tv and in magazines you know it's a sales gimmick essentially right it's trying to sell us an idea of what what a holiday should be or what a family should be and i think for me like one of the big takeaways i hope is that people will Remember that that the holiday doesn't have to be perfect in order for it to be enjoyable or for there to be something good for you to take away for it from it, even if it's, you know, one particular piece of it that's enjoyable or relaxing or uh, opportunity to connect with somebody. It's definitely not an all or nothing like it's, you know, this great holiday or it's just terrible, right? Like often there's some middle ground if we can allow ourselves to look for it and to create it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we can't change if we, you know, someone we love has passed away and they're not going to be here. They're not here. And we we're really sad about it. We can't change that. But that doesn't mean that we still can't have a way to celebrate and feel a meaningful connection either with that person or with yourself that it does not make 
the reality different. Just like if you don't have enough money and you can't have the gifts that you wish you could have for Christmas, which, you know, or any gift giving holiday and everyone knows that there are many, many people, millions of people who experience this doesn't mean that you can't find ways to really connect with what is meaningful about the holiday for you and, Uh and amplify that even if it's in a moment, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think like you were talking about, you know, if you've lost somebody that you love, you know, I think we have to, again, sort of go into these holidays with that realistic expectation that it's going to be different this year. You know, it's sort of never going to be the same as it was, you know, when you would spend your, you know, Christmas with your grandma, let's just say if grandma has passed away, um, right, we can't have that anymore. And I think we sort of need to look for, you know, some balance between giving ourselves that opportunity to grieve and to be sad and, you know, remember and maybe cry and, you know, have those feelings and then perhaps look for some ways to, you know, honor the person and sort of incorporate the person into your holidays in a different way, perhaps. And I think oftentimes this involves maybe creating some new traditions and doing some things different than we have done in past years. And again, this is this is one area that I often, you know, hear people, you know, feeling really stuck about the holiday traditions And again, sort of the expectation feels like I need to do things the way we've always done them. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, (laughs) there are a lot of traditions around the holidays that are associated with it for most families. And I, I think most of us, you know, as our lives change and our families grow in different ways, Oftentimes we've sort of outgrown some of the holiday or sorry, we've outgrown some of those traditions. You know, I know that I think about, you know, things that that I did with my family when my kids were small. They're not things that are necessarily going to be of interest for my family to do now that my kids are older. It's just sort of like things have transformed. There might be some, you know, holiday traditions that we continue to do and some that need to be adapted or just, you know, you know, put to the side, you know, given up for a while, maybe we come back to them at another stage in life. But I think we need to, you know, remember that just because we've always done it doesn't mean we have to continue to do it every year. Like we can actually look at those holiday traditions and and ask ourselves, is this, you know, really something that I want to do? Is it something that's really working for my family this year? Um, And feel like empowered to say, you know, I think I'm going to pass on that this year. You know, that really just doesn't sound fun anymore. That's not going to fill me with, you know, holiday joy. Instead, that just feels like an obligation and one more thing that I have to do. Like, that's not the purpose of a holiday tradition, right? It's not supposed to be like a burdensome obligation. Right. And I think so many of them do turn into that. You know, whether it's I, you know, I have to get gifts for everybody or I have to bake, you know, this all these cookies that I bake every year or send out, you know, Christmas cards or, you know, spend, you know, Christmas Day at my parents house. You know, those may work or may not. You know, you just have to feel like you can question some of those things and and make the choice for yourself. I Again, I think that's one thing that's really helpful for people to remember is that you you always have choices. 
sometimes we have a hard time seeing the choices or we don't like the choices that we have, but we do have choices. And I always say this, I think, is one of the, you know, the great things about being an adult is you have more choices. You really you really have a lot of different options. And it's it's rare that you really are forced into doing something against your will. Um, usually you're choosing to. And then sometimes, you know, if you're choosing to do something that you don't really want to do, you end up just feeling resentful about it. And that often comes out in some other way that's not so pretty um, or enjoyable for people. So I think oftentimes, it, you know, we're afraid of the saying no or the, you know, telling people that you want to do something different this year. But often when you can be direct and be kind about it, it's better than, like I said, sort of going and doing it and then being in a bad mood or, you know, getting resentful about it. Yeah, or feeling disempowered because you felt you had to do something. Someone was making you do it when you really had the power to voice that you didn't want to, um, mm-hmm. you know, barring as an abusive situation that you were in. But yeah. Other than that, you know, you do, do have free choice to what you want to do, even if someone else might be disappointed, it's okay to choose to do what you want or to meet your own needs um, and put that as a higher priority than even the possibility that the other person may feel disappointed. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up as actually, I had written myself a little note (laughs) to to talk about that because that's often one of those big challenges that that we come up against is that we don't want to disappoint people. We don't want to anger or upset people. And again, I think this can be extra strong at the holidays. Again, with that idea that it should, we should all get along. It should be loving and close. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, be upsetting, you know, my family. And I'm afraid of that sometimes too, what the reaction is going to be, or it's going to cause a big blowout, you know, right before the holiday um, that can be a really, un, you know, unpleasant, um, anxiety-provoking feeling. But it it is impossible to be pleasing everybody all of the time. So it yep. again, if we can if we can sort of just start with the basic understanding that it is inevitable that you are going to upset or displease or offend somebody at some point, probably you know within the next week of the holidays. Like that's just that's just being human. And sometimes we do it um, without realizing it, without the intention of doing it. Um, And other times it is the natural result of us being more assertive and starting to ask for what we need or what we want, especially if you have a family that's not used to that. And, you know, if you as a person are not used to being more assertive um, and if you've kind of just gone with the flow and, you know, let other people make the decisions so that if that's a new dynamic, a new behavior for you, it is going to be uncomfortable. But I assure you that it, it becomes more comfortable the more that you practice it. And it also becomes easier for your family, the person on the other end to receive that as well, because they start to get used to the new dynamic as well. And they start to recognize that you're going to ask for what you need and you're going to do things a little bit differently than the way that that we have done things, you know, for years in the past. 
So it's it's challenging. I, I I do I do think there's you know in some ways no avoiding it, except that if you are going to just completely go along with what everybody else wants and let everybody else's needs be more important than yours, but that that has different negative consequences. So I think you know we we have to really look at what our options are again. Because I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, keeping the peace with the family is much preferable. But then I, you know, I kind of think, well, is it really because you not asking for what you want or what you need? Again, there's often that resentment, you know, there's anxiety, there's maybe sleepless nights, you know, maybe you get sick, physically sick, you know, either, you know, you're more susceptible to colds and flus or, you know, you have the backache or the headache, your stomach's in knots. You know, there's a lot of, you know, ways that it shows up for us when, you know, we're tense and unhappy. Um, So it's not... It's, you know, there's, there's sort of no, no way of just um, suppressing all of your needs that's going to be a win for you. Right. There will be consequences. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and, and like I was saying, I, I think sometimes, you know, we're so afraid of the reaction that other people are going to have when we're assertive that we make that into such a catastrophe in our minds. And that may or may not be the reality. Again, I, you know, I think, you know, everybody does know their own family, but, but even still, I think as humans, we do have a tendency to anticipate the worst in a lot of situations. And it's, I would just encourage people to consider the possibility that the reaction may not be as bad as you think it is. And that there are ways of delivering your assertive message that are that are kind. You know, it doesn't need to be a shouting match and, you know, being demeaning to other people for you to to, you know, kindly but directly say, hey, this is what's what I need this holiday or this is what's going to work for me. I need to make a change. I, you know, choosing not to do that. Yeah, there may be disappointment, but often we can recover from that. Yeah. And then it's easier to do it next time. You have to practice. Yes, absolutely. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend therapy notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. So talking about creating new traditions, I wanted to bring up the issue for people who I hear from a lot of people who talk about um, having quote unquote, narcissistic family members and going, quote unquote, no contact. That's a big thing that, you know, Uh is in our our popular culture right now. And a lot of people talk about that in 
in therapy. Should I go no contact? I'm thinking of going no contact. And I am a big proponent of setting the boundaries that feel safe, especially if you have a family where there's been abuse. But for people who are in that situation where maybe they've decided to, you know, they may not have completely cut off contact with their family, but maybe they're not going to be with them in person over the holidays. What would you recommend for people who are doing that and still want to They don't want to pretend it's not the holiday on the day. Uh They still want to celebrate it, but they don't have anyone to be with Mm. kind of by choice. Yeah, it's a great question because I think that can feel really lonely for people. Again, there's that huge expectation that you should be with family Mm -hmm. on, on Christmas or on any holiday. And for yeah, a variety of reasons, sometimes that's not possible or not something that we want to do. We recognize that that's not going to be emotionally healthy mm-hmm. for us. So I, I would encourage people to start by thinking about what what would feel good for them. Again, perhaps this is a situation where there is going to be, you know, some time during that day where there's going to be sadness and that's OK and that you can make some space for that. But you could also, you know, sort of think creatively about other things that you could do on the holiday mm-hmm. that would feel fun or, you know, enjoyable, creative, exciting for you. And I think that's fairly personal about what would, you know, be an enjoyable way to spend like Christmas Day by yourself. I know that there are some people who enjoy going to the movies for other people that might feel even more lonely, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so that's sort of, you know, know yourself, I think, in some of this. Or again, you know, if you want to go out and um, go for a hike and spend some time outside, that could be something that some people enjoy. I think often the other thing that people like to do is to really feel like, you know, like they can kind of create their own family, like with their friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and for some people that might be an option. And I guess I would also just encourage people um, if you're alone, but you don't want to be like, if you would really Mm -hmm. like to be around some friends, don't be afraid to say that to them. I know, you know, maybe it's not, you know, Miss Manners would disapprove of kind of trying to invite yourself to somebody else's Christmas. But I think for some people that that can be okay. That, again, we need to assume that if if it's not going to work for your friends, that they will let you know that. But I think oftentimes people sort of suffer in loneliness and in silence around these issues because they haven't let other people know what they need. Mm -hmm. And there, it's quite likely that there is a family or sorry, a friend that you have that would be more than happy to welcome you to join their Christmas celebration um, or come for Christmas dinner or a part of the day. Or maybe there's, you know, some other um, people in your church or, you know, something, you know, another group that you're part of that would enjoy getting together and doing something, you know, there. The other thing is like you you sort of think again that you're the only one who's alone on Christmas, but you're not. You know, there are many other people. The thing is, I I think, again, there's so much shame and there's sort of that taboo. Like, I don't want to like say anything. It like just feels like such a loser thing to say I have no one to spend, 
you know, Christmas with. But if you put it out there, I think there are going to be opportunities to connect with other people. You know, another idea that comes to my mind is maybe there's a volunteer opportunity mm-hmm. as well. And that can feel really great, again, to just be giving to other people. And it's often a time when you can be with other people, too, mm-hmm. in this sort of community of, of community service um, and giving back as well. So that, that's kind of what comes to my mind. I don't know if, if you had anything else that you were thinking, Laura. Yeah, I had a couple um, things that I came up with, too. And I love what you said. One, the thing about volunteering definitely is something that I've suggested. You know, it's not like, oh, make yourself appreciate what you have by going and being with someone, you know, and helping someone who has less. But that's sort of like what happens when you do give and be of service. It just helps you feel gratitude for your own life and being in a position to be able to help, you know, whether it's serving a meal at a homeless shelter, which is a 24-7 operation, whether it's Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, someone has to be there and those meals need to be delivered. Or being with animals in an animal shelter, you know, another 24-hour type operation. They still need to be petted. They still need their cages to be cleaned. And, you know, the staff appreciates being able to take a day and not work on the holidays. So, you know, someone usually has to be there. But I think um, that type of thing can be really helpful. And like you said, being in nature as well, you know, here on the East Coast, you're always not too far from a beach <laughs> or a river or a stream. I love being near water. It's something that's very soothing to me. And I grew up in Virginia and now living in Maryland. You know, it's just as much of a chance that it'll be 50 or 60 degrees on Christmas Day as that it could be 30 degrees. So being at the beach in any weather, unless it's raining, is pretty much uh, it's always a grounding enjoyable experience for me. And then there's, you know, so many other ways to be in nature, you know, just going for a walk in your neighborhood, no matter what kind of environment you live in. And then, but some other things that I thought of are, um, some people enjoy doing like yoga retreats or mindfulness retreats over holidays where the focus is not on the holiday, but it's still kind of like an inward practice. And an opportunity to sort of be with others, but be with yourself. So it's kind of that same idea, as you said, about volunteering. You may be with other people, but you're not necessarily trying to make, you know, a deep connection with them because you may feel maybe having a lot of feelings on your own and you're kind of in your head, but you're still able to not feel as alone. And I've also recommended to people if if they have the way to do this and this is a very privileged thing to be able to do, but going to a hotel or something where you can just kind of be taken care of and not have to do anything for anyone else and the food's prepared for you or even like, a, you know, something that you can do that's soothing, pampering, where you can get a massage or be taken care of in some way, especially if you're feeling alone and kind of, you know, unloved, unwanted in relation to your family of origin. And, you know, you don't have to actually spend a whole lot of money and get a massage. You can 
put uh, Epsom salts in the bathtub and take a nice hot bath or, you know, use some aromatherapy oils to give yourself a foot massage. There are a lot of things that you can do that feel very nurturing and soothing that don't cost a lot of money. So, but I like that idea of doing things that are kind of the opposite of the feeling of loneliness and kind of unworthiness that you were talking about earlier, things that just bring a feeling of being taken care of, soothed, supported. Yeah, I like that really resonates with me too, that idea of doing something very comforting and nurturing for yourself, especially if it's something that you wouldn't ordinarily do, maybe just because it does cost a little bit more money or it just takes time that you wouldn't normally have during a busy work week. Like you said, I mean, it can just be, you know, that nice, hot, soothing bath. It could be, you know, curling up in front of the fireplace with a novel that you've been, you know, anxious to read. And now you finally have a whole day to dive Mm -hmm. in. And, you know, like that can just feel like, ooh, this is a treat for me. Or, Or again, maybe it's, you know, cooking, preparing some kind of food that you really enjoy that you feel like, oh, this is a treat. You know, and again, that's sort of, I feel like the message is, And I deserve a treat. You know, I deserve deserve to be well taken care of. And I can do that for myself. Yeah. And um, I know some people, I know a lot of people who love baking and like to bake huge amounts of cookies or holiday things. And, you know, if they're feeling alone at the holidays or if they're literally going to be alone, they may feel like, well, if I do all that, you know, Like there will be too much for me to be able to eat and it's a waste and should I even do it? And I've recommended there are um, homeless shelters for families that will accept, gratefully accept your baked good donations. And uh, just think how much, how enjoyable that is for someone who's living in a homeless shelter. So they're away from their, you know, holiday traditions to have some baked goods that were made by someone else with love. I think that's a a really nice way to do what you enjoy, the baking, and have as much as you want for yourself. But if you love making huge amounts that you couldn't possibly eat before they would go to waste, then you can donate them. Yes, I will second that. As somebody who worked for many years in a homeless shelter, sometimes we had enough volunteers, you know, already signed up to come in and, you know, make Christmas dinner or serve Christmas dinner. But just like you said, there are things that you can do at home and then deliver them to the shelter. And yes, it's they're often gratefully accepted, um, those types of donations of food and um, things that you made yourself. Um, and I think you could also, you know, maybe bring some of those treats around to your neighbors as well. And that can, that can feel nice as well, just to say, you know, I was thinking of you, I, you know, and I'd like to share this plate of cookies with you. You know, what a great neighborly thing to do. It is. I'll tell you what. I mean, I I might not be the most neighborly person, but there was one time when one of our neighbors brought us like a a food from their country. It was a neighbor who had moved here from another country and they were giving it to us for something. And I I was like, this is unbelievably kind. (laughs) Like I was so struck by that. It's just such a generous thing to do. But right. That somebody took the time and the effort to make that for you and then bring it over. It is, it's very sweet. Yeah. It's, and it's connection. And I think that's the thing that we're missing. If we're alone at the holidays or if we're 
you know, feeling sad about the way things were or how we feel during the holidays. It's wanting connection. Yeah, that's that's a nice way of, of putting it, because I think the variety of different ideas that we talk about, you could almost put them into two categories. One is, you know, how might I connect with other people? And the other one is, how might I connect with myself? Right. And maybe it's a combination exactly right. for you. Yeah. And I think that that is what is the recipe for surviving the holidays when you have a not so happy family of origin, or as I promised when I was telling our listeners about this upcoming episode, I said, surviving the holidays when you have a dysfunctional or abusive family of origin, it's focus on ways to connect with yourself and connect with others, whatever you need. Yes. That whatever you need cannot be wrong. Yes. Right. It's a, it, it's so simple and yet so complicated because that's not the message that we got as kids. It's not the message that we've told ourselves for all of these years. Right. So often the message has been you shouldn't have any needs or if you do, your needs are wrong and and you should stuff them down and pretend like you don't have any. So that's it's really that empowering shift to start to tell yourself that you are entitled to have needs. Everybody has needs and you are entitled to have those needs met. And part of doing part of that is figuring out how to meet some of those needs for yourself. And then part the other part is how can I communicate them to others? Because there's a relational component to having some of our needs met as well. Yes. Beautifully said. And Sharon, I know we have to finish up here, but you have an ebook that you created about getting through the holidays. Where can people find that if they want to refer to that for some additional resources? Sure. That is on my website, which is livewellwithsharonmartin.com. And on there, you'll find on the menu, I have a, a couple of different ebooks, but this one is called Handling the Holidays. And like you said, I, I put this together this year really with the idea of trying to provide some extra support for folks who are feeling particularly anxious and stressed out going into the holidays. And again, particularly for folks who are struggle with family relationships and knowing that those are, you know, at least somewhat, you know, complex and dysfunctional and wanting to be able to make some different choices for themselves. I, I, you know, really emphasize, you know, with my clients and in my books and so forth, you know, the idea that, you know, you can't change other people. You can't, you know, make your family be different this year, but there's a lot that you can do to help yourself either cope or make choices or, you know, be more assertive in order to create holidays that are going to be more fulfilling and happier for you. I love that. So I will be sure to put a link to the ebook or your website where they can find the ebook and yeah. all the wonderful things that you write. And um, I'll put that in the, the details for this episode so people can get right to it from their phones or whatever device they're listening on. Sharon, thank you so much for coming back to Therapy Chat today. And I want to have you back again another time soon because I know you have more goodies that you've been working on that I'm dying to talk about with you for our audience. So 
Until next time. (laughs) Excellent. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And I wish all of you listening, you know, a holiday that feels right for you, that feels like you've been able to empower and take care of yourself through these challenges. Mm. Thanks, Sharon. Okay. Thanks, Laura. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.